This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. You're listening to MPB Think Radio, and this is Creature Converse, the show all about your animals and the animals around you. I'm Java Chapman here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Today is one of our favorite shows, and typically it happens at the top of the month. So if you can't squeeze in today, make sure you join us next month, first Thursday of the month, and it will be pet day. And today we're taking your pet questions. The doors to the pet hospital are wide open. We welcome all of your pet questions from the big to the small. Uh, You may have a cat or dog at home or by some magic. I don't know how it works, but for a lot of households, it does work. You have a cat and a dog. Also, you may have a question about uh, exotic pets, like maybe a rabbit, a snake or a ferret. So don't hesitate to join the conversation. We have some open phone lines right now. Call us one 877 MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Also want to remind you that if you miss Creature Comforts on Thursday, it repeats every Saturday morning at six AM. Uh good morning, Libby. Good morning, Dr. Major. How was everyone this morning? Good morning. Good morning. Everybody's good, I hope. I, I I will. We're doing good on this side, and I do have to um, openly say we're going to get you guys back in the studio as soon as possible. Um, I, I miss seeing your your smiling faces, uh, Doctor Major and Libby, and um, we've been talking off off uh, air about when that's going to happen. So I'm kind of excited. I thought I was going to see somebody's face this morning, but we'll we'll try again next time. <laughs> Well, Libby, um, as always, what are, what have you been uh, seeing outside your window um, for the past couple couple days? Okay, I guess first we'll say that the the synchronous fireflies have about finished their nighttime light show. I did have great treetop flashers and slow glow fireflies last night. So fireflies are still blinking, but the synchronous ones have about stopped down here in the Jackson area. Uh, hearing reports that they're going strong around Oxford and Waldoxy is probably about to start up. So uh, those in the northern part of the state can start watching for those special fireflies. And all of our regular old fireflies are doing well at night. During the day, I've been concentrating on my nesting birds because that's kind of that's where we are right now. Birds are raising babies. And I've got a lot of nesting cardinals, and um, at the bird feeder, the activity that's going on, the the daddies and mamas are feeding these bigger birds. They fledged and left the nest. They still don't want to have to eat on their own, I think. They're still babies, you know. I guess these are the adolescents, you would say. So um, other people may be seeing that behavior, too. If a a bird seems to be pestering another bird a lot, and um, then the uh, the adult finally turns around and feeds them. It's like they're trying not to feed the babies, but okay, one more time now. Get, go get something on your own. It's sort of the conversation going on at my feeder. Indigo buntings, uh, cardinals, prothonotary, and perula warblers both fledged um, a nest 
off of my front porch this week, and I missed the activity both times, so I didn't get to see that happen. But uh, and also, lots of tree frogs calling, bullfrogs, gray frogs, green frogs, like we talked about last week. Yeah, now if you missed that uh, show with uh, our good friend Joe McGee talking about some of the frogs that um, that are being heard right now, you can listen to the podcast. As always, an entertaining show. Um, lots of frog sounds um, that you may be hearing outside of your window. Also, um, Doctor Major, the the temperatures are um, are getting up, and I I don't know if this is a silly question because my dog is heading to the groomers on tomorrow. Um, has a lot of a lot of hair, and we usually get her kind of kind of shaved and trimmed. But does the hair um, on 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 the dog have anything to do with like the temperatures? Like, should, is a summertime cut a necessary for uh, <laughs> for dogs, or is this just something we just want her to have? Well, you know, for a lot of dogs, it is, and a lot of dogs are shedding a lot of hair. I know. <clears throat> At the end of the day here, we're sweeping up, not bushels, but, you know, just hair is being shed constantly right now. Uh, a lot of dogs benefit from a summer clip or a spring or summer clip, and a lot of the dogs will mat if they're not uh, regularly brushed or combed, and some some cats as well. But uh, in, in general, uh, uh, most of the dogs will benefit from some uh, form of uh, summer cut. And short-haired dogs, obviously, you don't want to go to that expense and that trouble. Uh, we do see with some of the longer-haired dogs what we call moist eczema, commonly called hot spots, where hair will mat down if the dog is chewing or uh, scratching at that mat, or if it has fleas, it can cause some pretty severe skin irritation and infection. So, yes, I would say if I had a long-haired dog, I would definitely... Uh, uh, have it trimmed, and <clears throat> the little uh, Shizu rescue that I have, we've already, he has to be shared about once every four months anyway, so he's, he looks pretty sporty right now, he's got his, <laughs> got his spring and summer cut, and he likes it, he leaves hair on his tail, and, and he, he just struts around, so he yeah. does well. Yeah, I think the dogs are are, are kind of like us. They they know when they've you know been freshly groomed, and it it does a little something to their confidence. <laughs> I've seen some that probably it's better not to let them look at a mirror or anything like that. They might not recognize themselves after being uh, groomed or sheared. Well, today is a pet day, and uh, we already have a caller on the line. If you want to join the conversation, that's one eight seven seven MPB ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. And you don't have to limit it to um, your pet questions. You can always let us know about your latest brushes with nature. But let's talk to Bobby in Moorhead this morning. Good morning, Bobby. Good morning. What's your question? Good What's the question? Yes, sir, Bobby. Good morning. Good morning. I got a stud horse. He's about seven years old. Beautiful. Uh, she's drooling, like spitting juice. He, he looks healthy, very healthy, very energetic. And he's just dropping, like, water, quite a bit of water, fluids. Like regurgitating, yes. in one place or stand in one place for ten or fifteen minutes. You look at the ground. You're looking at uh, just a pool of moisture 
right. Juices, bloods. Right. Is there any blood in that? Have you seen any blood? No, it's clear. Okay, okay. This is one of those things where I would definitely go on and have a vet look at the horse. My concern would be a tooth that possibly is causing some irritation or trouble. Uh, there may be another underlying cause, but I think it would be wise to have a large animal vet uh, look and see what see what's going on there. That's not normal. No, it's about seven years old. It's about seven years old. Okay, I would definitely uh, I would definitely contact a veterinarian that can come look at him, or you can take it to a vet. But I think it would be wise to have that looked at. Yeah, great I don't question want to though. Lose. That's a little unusual. Lose. It's unusual, and I think it does need attention. Thanks for the yes, call. Sir. Yes, sir. All right, All right. thank you uh, for that call, Bobby. Starting us off on a on a pet day on this creature comforts. Um, if you have a pet question or want to talk about your latest brushes with nature, that's one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. I did want to ask you guys a question. I know you are. Uh, hopefully, you've seen this uh, viral video of the teen. Um, who saves her dogs from the from the bear in California? Have you guys seen that? Yes. No, I haven't yes. seen it. Oh, Libby, I'm gonna have to. We're gonna have to get uh, uh, Jay to send you send you the link uh, because it is a <laughs> it is a phenomenal video, and I'm, I'm glad you've seen it, Doctor Major, uh, yes. because the the it's been viewed over 40, 40 million times. And the young, if you haven't seen it, uh, it's a young lady, seventeen years old. Her name is Haley Marinico, and um, basically, uh, uh, she stays in Bradford, which is near uh, the Angeles National Forest. And it was a funny comment she said that um she usually see bears on Tuesday uh which is trash day so she was yeah. really really surprised to see the bear on Monday but it was on her fence her dogs were you know of course excited about seeing the bear um and it and the bear was swiping at the dogs and she came out of nowhere pushed the bear off the fence and I mean it's just it was a phenomenal video if you haven't seen it Dr. Major what are your, what are your thoughts on that you know her adrenaline was flowing pretty good there and uh, she's very fortunate that the bear did not hurt her uh, there were two cubs there uh, on the fence as yes, well as yes, it's yes. A lar- it was a large stone uh, stone fence and obviously the bear was several hundred pounds. The dogs were doing what they were trying to do. One of the larger dogs was trying to you know, repel the bear, and the bear, I think, swiped it across the face a couple of times. But, you know, that is not a good thing that she encountered. She did a very heroic thing, but she could have been injured as well. Uh, the They said the bear was trying to protect his babies. The bear was looking for food. And the babies were with it, you know. That's that's basically what. And the bear knew what was going on. When she shoved it over, uh, they got back and left. But uh, I would have to say that that you know she's lucky that she did not get injured. Yeah, she was very very lucky. Um, but if you watch the video, I saw maybe like a up close thing. The bear actually had her smallest dog. Um, you know, within right. his within his clutches, and I right. mean, from it was one second she was off frame, and then another second she was in frame, pushed the bear off the off the wall, and uh, she she in a post interview, you know, only thing she could think about was uh, <laughs> protecting her baby, as she said. Right, right, and she did a good job of that. 
But again, it could have ended tragically had the bear uh, swatted her when she did that. The bear was surprised, I think, and actually fell backwards. And that was uh, she grabbed her dogs and went back in the house. But uh, you'd have to give her very much credit for saving her baby. Yeah, she 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 did she did do that. Now um, I don't know how common you can just get uh, used to uh, seeing bears around, but in that area, as I've I've read in Bradford, um, it's like near the bottom of the Angeles National Forest. They bears are are pretty common. <laughs> right. Uh, let's um let's before we take our next break before we take our first break of the hour. Let's talk with um Tom in Alabama, who wants to join the conversation this morning. Uh, good morning, Tom. Morning. How y'all doing? Oh, we're doing, great. we're doing fine today. What's your uh, question this morning? Yeah, i got a dog. It's a rescue dog. I've had her for about five years now, and she lived in the woods prior to me getting her, you know. And uh, she is scared to death of loud noises, thunder, uh, rainstorms and stuff like that, and I have tried everything, thunder, thunder, anything that you – is there anything that you guys know about that might help her? Uh, I called a vet, and he said the only thing they could do would be give her some kind of pill to knock her out whenever the thunderstorm's coming in, but I don't want to do that. I really don't, but I don't know what else to do. You know, that's that's an excellent question, and she's not the only dog that uh, reacts to loud noises. Uh, fireworks, uh, thunderstorm, right. other loud work, uh, and things like that. Now, there are some calming uh, natural-type products that could be used. You need to consult or see if you can find those. Uh, basically, they use natural products, and some dogs it does help take the edge off. I want to say it works for everyone. Uh, there's one called Clomacom, I believe, and uh, there's there are others uh, that are sold over the counter. In retrospect, when you sit and the vet said give her something to knock her out, I don't agree with knocking her out. On the other hand, there may be some medication that can be used to help take the edge off. But this is a real problem. Is she an inside yeah. dog now? Yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah live in an RV and she lives with me so I'm right, just another right. Under, She's understand like a, understand and one of the problems is here in the south we really can't predict when a thunderstorm is going to come it could come just about any day and you don't want to over medicate uh, the dog there is a calming collar that you might check out by that okay. it, uh, okay. it has I think maternal pheromones some dogs respond to that so there there are different things that you can use uh some how big is this dog uh she weighs 65 pounds okay She's a big dog i guess you call yeah. that big she is and you may have tried the quote thunder shirt type thing which is kind of like swaddling it's a, you try to uh use it and it fits tightly and in some dogs that works it uh it it kind of like a little suit of armor but it you it wraps around the dog and fairly tightly, uh, similar to swaddling in a in a baby, and some dogs respond to that. You can look that up online if you have already, already tried. Already and tried. It, right. It, it did not work. I tried it. I, Only, I understand. Yeah, I might try that collar you're talking about. They right. took something out of a diffuser or something like that. Have you ever heard of that? That you. I have, I have, and for some animals that helps. Uh, yeah. It's basically a uh, 
pheromone type diffuser and plugs into your electrical outlet and it may help uh you certainly need to try it and see i just look to you yeah i feel so sorry for you know what i mean and i I understand i read online it said don't cuddle them makes it worse when you cuddle them all right well Well, what does she do when, when that happens does she try to hide somewhere Oh, when Lord, yeah. It goes, behind, goes in behind my recliner, but it's not right. just a, if uh, fireworks go off, you know, right. anything like that, you know. Well, so, good luck and keep searching. You may find something that works for them, okay? Thank you for taking time to talk to me. You take care. Thank you. All right, it's time for our first break of the hour, and when we return, we have some more uh, pet questions to get to. We have Sue and Beaumont, Becky and Fulton. We're coming to you right after the break. Um, um, so be on call. Dr. Major is ready, and Libby Hartfield also is on hand to help with your brushes with nature. So call in with your questions or comments this morning, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven. 672-7464 or send an email to animals at mpbonline.org We'll be right back after the break. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. You're listening to Creature Comforts here on MPB Think Radio. I'm Java Chapman here with Dr. Major, Dr. Troy Major, Libby Hartfield, and today we're taking your pet questions and talking about any other brushes with nature that you may have recently had. If you want to join the conversation, you can call uh, 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. I love it when we have a full bank of calls. So let's go back to the phones and talk with Sue in Beaumont. Good morning, Sue. What's your question? Good morning. To everybody, I'd like to ask Dr. Major a question because it's, I've, I've thought about this a lot. About uh, if a dog with rabies bites a human being, they can transmit that virus and give a human being rabies. But what about um, what about other viruses and bacteria that can dogs transmit to humans, and vice versa? <laughs> right. Hopefully, not many people are biting a dog, but. Anyway, uh, certainly there may be others. Rabies is the uh, most important one, and it's one reason that we have pretty much universal uh, laws regarding rabies vaccination, because rabies, uh, once you start having any symptoms or don't have any treatment after a rabies, rabid dog or cat bites you, uh, the success rate of treating that is very low in people. Uh, And certainly they can bite other animals or other dogs. And that's how it could be spread. Uh, as far as other uh, diseases, most of that would have to do with bacteria uh, from a bite wound. Uh, some bites would damage the periosteum of a bone, 
and could require hospitalization either even on IVs uh, if, in fact, there was an infection that was uh, transmitted like that. But as far as any other uh, viral diseases that are spread through a bite, uh, I really don't think we have to worry about that. You think that this COVID virus, that a dog could get the COVID virus from a human being? Oh, my gosh. That's a whole other uh, issue in talking about it. Uh, I think they have had one or two cases documented where a dog and living in close contact with a COVID patient uh, early on had been tested positive. There are cases where a dog has been tested positive. As far as COVID being transmitted from the dog to people, I have not seen anything to that effect. So, and there have been some uh, uh, tigers, for example, I believe in the uh, National Zoo in, in Washington uh, that uh, developed COVID, but they did not die from it. They were maybe tested positive. So I think our animals are a whole different ball of wax when uh, subjected to COVID. And I don't believe there's any evidence that they've spread it to people. Thank you for those questions, uh, Sue. We really appreciate every time you call into MPB Think Radio. And let's continue with um, our phone calls and talk to Becky in Fulton, uh, who wants to join the conversation. Good morning, Becky. Good morning. How are y'all? Oh, we're doing fine. We're doing fine. What's your question today? Um, I feel somewhat foolish asking this, but how long does it take for a kitten to, I mean, if you've got other cats, how long does it take for the, before the other cats calm down about, about uh, another cat being in the house? Great question, and that is so variable that it's going to be hard to tell you. A lot of it depends on the other cats, depending on how calm they are. Most of the time, after, say, two to three weeks, they adjust and uh, accept, say, a new kitten or another cat. However, if you have two or three cats, there may be one that never really accepts a new interloper, if you will. Right. Uh, and, well, and that's I mean, exactly how, how some of the cats feel. Hey, this is invading my space, and that is an important thing with cats, even though cats may lie around together, uh, sleep close to each other. They have to have some space. And uh, if that space is being infringed on by a new kitten or another cat, certainly it can cause some uh, disruption in the household. Okay. I was asking, you know, because a friend of mine has this that going on, but, but I, I wanted to get a cat, but I... I don't know, you know, I want to get kind of, want, I'd like to adopt one, but I, you know, but I'd like to get like an older cat, I guess, because I don't, you know, I don't want one that's a jumper, and I know that most cats are jumpers, but, but you know, I mean, some of them are more, you know, are more laid back, and I just, how do you go to, how do you look for something like that when you're going to the humane society? <laughs> I mean, that's, really. that, that obviously is an issue, you, you, you know, you really can't tell. Uh, just looking at a cat in that type situation, whether it would jump or not. Uh, well, I, I, mean, have three, really. I have three, three cats now, okay? I may have okay. talked about the munchkin who's like little short legs. However, he's learned to climb up stuff, so that kind of goes <laughs> out the jumping he is. And uh, we found him. He comes with me each day to the clinic, and he's carried around a lot, but he's figured out how to climb 
and actually get to a shelf, which is pretty oh. high. He he goes from a chair to a, uh, a desk, then another desk, and then he was eating the dry cat food yesterday from an older cat that we have called the clinic cat. So you have to be, uh, to tell you that, I have the three of the three cats, one of them will jump. The other one, equal size, will not jump. I never has tried by that on uh, counter or anything like that. Uh, I have the cat that does jump. He's the most acrobatic or graceful cat you will ever see. I personally don't really like cats on the counter, but he does not knock anything off. He's very graceful with that. But to tell you to pick how to pick out one, that's going to be a difficult thing. As far as how many other cats do you have? I don't. See, I've got two. Okay. See, I don't. I've I've never had an indoor cat. I've always had outdoor cats, and I I live where I can't have an outdoor cat now, and I've got a lot of glass. And so I'm like, you know, I've been visiting other people that have cats, but, you know, I don't know whether or not I can manage a cat. I think you probably can. Cats are really pretty carefree in a way, but they can be an issue if you're not prepared for it. My suggestion is to get, rather than a, a mature cat, get one that's young, disease-free, and take it to your vet. When you get it, be sure it's disease-free. And you can actually train train cats. If you get an older cat, it already has some habits, and you won't know until you get it home with you. That's my take on for a first-time cat in my opinion. Okay. I just, I mean, you know, I've, I've had several cats, outdoor cats, and I love them, right. but it's just, it's a whole other ball of wax. Yes, <laughs> it is. Well, listen, good luck. Just uh, use some judgment. Think about it. And uh, that's the best thing I can say is uh, you've already talked to other people and all, and just um, make a good judgment based on what you think you can handle. Okay. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. We appreciate you joining the show this morning, uh, Becky. And if you have a pet question um, or want to talk about your latest brushes with nature, one 672 or give us an email, uh, animals at mpbonline.org. We just got an email um, about a cat that ignores a litter box that we're going to that we're going to get to. But let's talk with uh, Jack in Hancock County first. Good morning, Jack. Hi, how are you? Uh, doing fine. Go ahead with your question. My question concerns dogs. I have a mixed breed rescue dog, female, spayed, three years old. And she's part Australian Shepherd and looks to be maybe part Collie. Very long hair uh, underneath and on her back legs. And I'm considering taking her to a groomer. And having all that long hair cut off, I wondered how the doctor felt about uh, doing that with uh, long-haired dogs here in the South for the summer. Uh, we discussed that a little bit already. I would say that definitely if I had that dog, I would have it uh, trimmed down, not necessarily to the skin, but if you can get a groomer that will uh, take that long hair away. Uh, and possibly, I, I'd like to say, leave uh, you know an inch or so if you can, if the groomer will do that, and it will grow back. A lot of these dogs, after being sheared, look really great after about three or four weeks. Uh, sometimes you wonder, what, why did I do that? But the hair will grow back, 
and find a good groomer. And just like if uh, you go to have your hair done or whatever, uh, always tell the groomer what you expect. In other words, what you want, rather than saying, here, do this, have a conversation with the groomer before having it done. Thank you very much. Appreciate the info. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, Jack, I, I appreciate your call this morning because my dog is a um, was a rescue what well, was a rescue dog, and she is we believe a, an Australian Shepherd um, with like a collie a collie mix. And when she goes to the groomer tomorrow, she is getting that long hair trimmed. Um, I don't know what what the number um, we always say, but she's going to get it in the end. Like you, just like you just mentioned, Dr. Major, a couple weeks after that, after that, uh, shearing, <laughs> she yeah. will be, she will be something to see. She'll look good. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, let's go ahead and take our next break for the hour. Um, we are looking for your phone calls. We have some open phone lines, one eight seven seven. MPB ring. That's one 672 7464 Like I said, we also have some emails. If you want to send an email, animals at mpbonline.org. We got one about a cat that ignores the litter box. Also, Libby, perk up your uh, your ears because we're going to talk about an albino squirrel. I don't even know if I've seen one of those, but uh, we just got an email about it, so we're going to talk about it after the break. This is Creature Comforts, only on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. I'm Java Chapman here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. All pet day, so we've been answering your pet questions and talking about your brushes with nature. And we have some uh, open phone lines, one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. But we do have a couple of emails I wanted to talk about. And Libby, this one uh, popped up early in the hour um, from Catherine, and it says, "Hello, I live in Mississippi, and I happened to see an albino squirrel yesterday, and wondered how rare this is." Um, Catherine, I wish if if you're still listening, let us know what part of the state you saw that in. I know that's always helpful information, but uh, Libby, have you ever heard of an <laughs> an albino squirrel? Yes, definitely. It's a real thing. Uh, at the museum, we often got calls and sometimes deliveries. People would bring in things that were either albino or leucistic. You can be a white squirrel. You can a, a squirrel can be white, but have a normal color eye. Or and a squirrel can be partly white, but the true albino will have those pink eyes, piercing pink eyes, and those are the rarest, I do believe. And I think that both gray squirrels and fox squirrels, you know, gray squirrels kind of are the city squirrel, the littler squirrel species, and then the fox squirrel are the the ones that are generally found in the country. Those are the ones that people would hunt because they, you know, they get big and fat. But uh, both can have albinos, but... Uh, 
the internet says about one in a hundred thousand. And when you think about how many squirrels we could have in Mississippi, you can have some quite a few albinos, I guess, spread around. I More have about a hundred thousand squirrels in my yard. <laughs> <laughs> so you might be a good candidate to find one. Uh, I remember people used to bring in what they always called the hill country squirrel. And it um, had kind of a black mask and then had a white nose. Um, really a cute squirrel and very distinctive. And I think those are only in fox squirrels. That's all I ever saw was in a fox squirrel. But all different color, you know, morphs can occur with squirrels. And, Catherine, we do appreciate you listening because you sent in uh, the email letting us know about the location uh, in the Byram uh, Terry area. And, uh, oh, okay. Go ahead, Libby. Yeah, I was just going to say that's over where Kathy Shropshire lives, you know, the mammologist that usually talks to us about, about gray squirrels. If Catherine uh, could let us know if it had pink eyes, that would be interesting, too, to find out. Okay, because you said if, if the true albinos have the pink eyes, and then you can just be a, a, a you know, a white-colored um, squirrel, but you don't have yeah. the pink eyes. That's true. All right. Well, we have another um, email from uh, Robbie in Oxford, and it reads, Hi, folks. We have a cat who has decided the clean litter box is just fine as long as he is placed in it by one of us. Otherwise, he will squat in the living room on the living room rug for most of his solid waste. I think he might actually use the box uh, for urine, so I'm not sure what is happening in his head. He has had a history of this behavior going on for several years now. So any suggestions on something we might not have tried yet? This is this. You have to put the cat in the litter box. Is this a common occurrence, Dr. Major? Well, it's a blessing that he's uh, urinating in the litter box if he's not urinating anywhere else. Uh, the this has been something going on for a long time with this cat. Uh, I would offer him another litter box or two. We've often said that uh, the rule of thumb should be if you have three cats, you need three litter boxes plus one. So this may be the only cat. I don't know. But I would try to put another litter box, maybe without any big sides or anything to it, just kind of uh, like a large what should I say, sweater box, you know, where you would have good sides to it, but put it where he is defecating and see if that would help. Uh, it's going to be a real problem, and probably one of the number one reasons that cats get turned into shelter shelters is that they are going outside the litter box, so it, it's a challenge. I would try more than, more than one litter box if they have only the one cat uh, and might even put out two two more litter boxes just to try to train him. Do you think some of, I know we talked about this on the um, previous shows, um, cats kind of wanting to be seen because <laughs> he says uh, on a living room rug, I can, I can imagine everybody's in there and, and the litter box may be placed in like a corner or something. I don't know. Uh, that's a good question. I, I would think that probably he's, dedicated that spot so i would put the litter box right there and that even if it was in the middle of the room i'd put a litter box right there and see what happens okay yeah now that could be some uh some uh remedy for you robbie and um if you if you want to uh, send an email um animals at mpbonline.org is how you can uh, get in contact with us this yeah. morning 
Uh, another, have, tri another trial would be to uh, maybe confine this cat to a room, uh, bedroom or somewhere, or a small area with two litter boxes and see if he will go to a litter box to defecate. I'm just thinking and maybe keep him in that situation for even a week or two and then gradually let him back out into the larger area of the house. It's worth a try. All right. Well, it's an all pet day here on uh, Creature Comforts, and let's go back to the phones. I see we have uh, Don in Charleston uh, on the line. Good morning, Don. What's your question? Good morning, and thanks for taking my call. Uh, it's less about pets. However, I, ha I have some eastern bluebirds kind of nesting near my home, uh, and I saw eggs, let's say, maybe two months ago, and uh, a lot of bird chirping, saw little babies. But uh, one day I noticed they were just gone, and the parents still come back and visit the nest. Uh, the birds have been gone let's say about three to four weeks now. I'm not sure when they left. I'm hoping they got a chance to get mature or not even sure if something may have eaten them. Just wondering uh, from the time they had from an egg, how long does the eastern bluebird take to mature and flee the nest? Most birds take about two weeks to to, to incubate. So the eggs will hatch in a couple weeks and then two weeks more maybe at the most until the babies are ready to fledge and leave the nest. So you give them about a month, and they ought to be, you know, pretty much grown up. Let me look and see real quick. You're full. Yep, that's exactly right. Incubation for a bluebird is two weeks, and then another they can stay from two to two and a half weeks to, um, to mature enough to fly. So... Um, sounds like, you know, it's possible they had a very successful nesting and fledging, and those parents can start another nest. They'll, you know, wait a few days generally and then mate and start another nest. So, well, that's, no. That's, that's, that's what we were hoping for. That's what we were hoping for because we were hoping it wasn't predation that took them away. Now, the other question I have uh, is, you know, we've made a couple of nests for them to, nest in, should we clean the old nest out that's in a birdhouse or just leave it be and let the parents take care of that? All right. I clean it out at the end of the season, but I leave it as long as that one pair is using it. Okay. And, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not an expert on bluebirds, but I believe that works. That's always worked okay for me. So, like, yeah. if, if that pair made the first nest and it's in there and it's you know, the box was not didn't have old nest in it, so it's not already full of other stuff. It's good for the nest to be low in the box because it's harder for predators to get in there and get out quick when it's lower to the box. Does that make sense if something yeah. wants to steal an egg? Yes, so in that respect, that's a good reason to clean out in between summers, you know. But if if the same pair made the first nest, I've always just left it because I figure they've kind of marked that as their territory and I stay out of it. Okay. And it, it appears to be the same pair, um, and they're still coming back, and we were wondering were they coming back looking for the birds. or. Uh, but that said, even at the end of the season, we should just leave that old nest in there then or clean it out, you know, I guess at the fall of the year or just leave it be. Yeah. 
if the fall of the year, I would clean it out. Or okay. yeah, when okay. when you're sure they're gone, they're not nesting anymore. And bluebirds will check back in a box a lot, so yeah. they're probably going to make a second nest again. There is my guess. Okay. Well, I'll leave it alone, and maybe in the fall, clean it out, and hopefully they'll build another nest in there. And thank you very much. Uh, I guess more confidence in me and my wife. Yes. Well, I hope you get to enjoy them the rest of the summer. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Well, we really appreciate your call this morning, Don. Let's um, continue on the phones, and let's go to the coast um, and talk with uh, Craig in Biloxi. Good morning, Craig. Hey, good morning. Uh, I just want people to know that you can you don't need regular animal clippers to clip your dogs. Um, I used my hair clippers on a 60-pound dog, and it worked just fine. The attachments wouldn't go through the hair, so if you want you know, longer, if you want to adjust it, you could get some of those big teeth combs and stack them up and use that. But uh, you don't need you don't need animal clippers. You can just use your regular ones. Okay, appreciate that tip, uh, Craig. Dr. Major, how do you feel about uh, home home puppy haircuts? Perfectly fine uh, to do that at home. Uh, be careful when you're uh, clipping that you don't tear the skin or cut the skin uh, under a mat or something like that. But certainly a lot of people do groom their own dogs, and certainly uh, clippers can work well, whatever works for you as far as the clippers are concerned. But, yes, you can do that. All right. Well, let's continue on the phones. We have Sheila also um, in Biloxi wants to join the conversation this morning. Good morning, Sheila. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. I'm very concerned about all the tree cutting going on in my neighborhood during nesting season. Yesterday, some neighbors cut down a live oak tree, and it was full of birds. Uh, and I wondered, what do they do when they find a, a nest? Do they just throw it in the chipper or you know, why are they allowed to do that? And now the power company was here a month ago trimming trees, and it seems that that should happen in the winter. Um, but anyway, that's. I just would like for people to be aware of that, of what they're doing. And that's what I have to say. <laughs> Thanks for calling us and saying that, because I definitely agree with you. And I know people, if they own their tree, they have a right to do what they want in their yard, but... Um, I think it's good that that you're bringing it up now. People may not even think about it, you know. And you can actually, I've been told, you can call the power company and tell them that you would not, you know, that you don't want your trees cut in the spring and summer when you have your nesting birds and that they will honor that. I know they do come to our place and trim in the winter. So it, it's probably more pleasant for them to trim in the winter anyway. So you might suggest that to your power guys. And um, maybe uh, if, you, if you feel comfortable talking to your neighbors, you might mention something to them about it. Okay. Well, this guy's turned his yard into a, a golf course, so I don't think he'd be very oh, sympathetic. Uh, yeah. But, um, not, you know. yeah but well, maybe let's hope those birds moved over to your yard. I hope so. Well, thank you for your uh, attention. Yeah, and I appreciate your concern. Yeah, we well, thank you for that um, for that call, uh, Sheila. That may be something we have to explore um, a little bit uh, in the future, Libby. About that, I, I never thought about that, but that is something um, to, to think about. Uh, let's continue on. Let's continue on the phones, um, and let's talk with West 
in Oxford. Good morning, Wes. Hey, good morning. Uh, I actually have a pet question this morning. My partner and I are planning on moving to Portland, Oregon, and she has two cats. One of them has, like, a lot of trouble in the car. Like, every time she takes him to the vet, he gets sick in his little cage in the car. And she thinks it's a good idea to get this sort of, like, cat-calming medicine and kind of dope them up and take them in the car on the car ride up there. And I think it's probably better to see if we could get a service that might fly them up there when we get there. Um, and I wanted to hear a, a veterinarian's opinion on that. Sure. That that would solve a lot of problems if you can find a service that will do that. And there are those that do, uh, pit taxi, whatever you want to call it, and can arrange it for you. Uh, there are some things that you could do. Uh, does the cat throw up when it's in the car, or is it yeah. just nervous? There, yeah. there are some things you can talk to your vet about. Uh, one would be called Serenia, some tablets uh, that can be used, uh, which would control nausea for uh, up to up to 24 hours. That's uh, a long trip that you're going to take, so you know you need to explain that to the vet and get some medicine that would work for that. On the other hand, uh, I, I like the idea. I don't know what the cost is, but certainly it might be more uh, feasible to hire a service to get the cats there. Just make sure that they have good reviews and that you feel comfortable with them doing that. Yeah, I figured that, you know, for the cat having so much discomfort in the car, it would right. probably be better to just do it the quickest way possible on their end for their right. you know, discomfort. Right, and, you know, it is it is done. I don't know the name of the service, but the, I've seen the services, you know, in action at the airports. Not that I've been in an airport very much lately, but uh, certainly they uh, do have that service. And just, again, I would check the reviews and be able to talk to a live person as far as trying to figure this out and do it. I think it can be done. Okay, thank you. Good luck to you. Hope things work well. Yeah. All right, we appreciate you joining us uh, with that question this morning, Wes. Uh, we have a few more minutes um, on this pet day, um, so we're gonna um, we have a, a couple more calls to get to. But I did want to ask this question, uh, Doctor Major, um, about ticks. I know it sounds like you know each and every year we talk about it's going to be um, uh, some sort of bad year for ticks. But uh, a lot of people have been saying this 2021 is going to be um, uh, something, you know, something to behold for ticks. I think even on the Weather Channel, they talked about like a like a tick time bomb. Like it's just going to be, <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna be happening. So, what do you have to uh, say about that for our pet owners? Well, you know, ticks uh, ticks are there, uh, and apparently when it's wet and humid now. Uh, they do have an explosion in population. You know, ticks have to have a food source in general. Uh, so where you have deer, there are a lot of ticks usually. Uh, I would suggest flea and tick control for your, your dogs and for your cats. And uh, it'd be very important to be careful yourself. Uh, there are diseases that can be spread uh, uh, to humans from the ticks as well as to our dogs. Uh, so just be careful, and uh, I would use uh, both repellent if your dog's out in the woods and one of the tick uh, uh, medications such as Brevecto or Advantix, that sort of thing that would help from the standpoint of 
killing any tick that would get on the dog. How do you um? If, but I say I guess other than what maybe just manually uh, checking your checking your dog um, on on the surface, how do you know if it has a tick on it or not? That's the best way. I mean, of course, a lot of times the dog will be scratching or itching itself. Uh, if if it did have a tick on, uh, always check around the ears. We do see a fair amount of uh, tick paralysis uh, during the uh, course of the spring and summer. Uh, some ticks can actually secrete a toxin, neurotoxin, that can cause the dog to become paralyzed. Uh, it can even affect people, but it's very rare uh, considering the number of ticks. But uh, it's something that you do need to inspect the ears, the face, especially if you've got long hair. Uh, ticks like to attach uh, in those areas. Uh, rarely do you see ticks uh, attach on the mid-back toward the tail, but they can. So a good inspection is is one of the ways that you can see, you know, if you have any ticks. I would say preventive is the best method. Yes, best sir. Method. Now, what, now I guess I should ask this question. Do you have to, like, I guess, take that stroll through the woods to be um, and then do the tick inspection? Or is it just, is your neighborhood walk uh, somewhere, or somebody could, your pet could get the ticks? Right. Excellent question. And a lot of times, Along a fence line, if you have a fenced yard, you know, if you let the brush on either side build up, they say that I believe if you have your lawn mowed less, two inches or less, uh, that the ticks do not congregate there. But if you have shrubs or along a fence line, as I said, uh, they're just waiting for uh, opportunity to get on your dog or on you. All right, and I guess we'll end it there. We appreciate um, everyone who called in and emailed in with their uh, pet questions and brushes with nature this morning. It's in every time I host a show, I learned something, and I learned about the albino squirrel. <laughs> uh, that's something I will keep my eyes open for. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, and funding is provided in part by you. Now, if you want to hear today's show or previous shows, you can visit mpbonline.org slash Creature Comforts. Also, today's show was engineered by Jay White. Our call screener was Liz Gill. For Dr. Major, Libby Hartfield, and myself, guest hosting. <laughs> Autocorrect is up next with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker. And tune in next Thursday at 9 for Creature Comforts, heard only on MPB Think Radio.